Hey, podcast family. This week's episode of Motherhood in Black and White was produced before we learned of the passing of Supreme Court Justice Ginsburg on Friday, September 18th at the age of 87. We would like to take a moment to honor her legacy and her commitment to women's rights, to civil rights, to human rights. Justice Ginsburg was only the second woman to serve on the United States Supreme Court. She was a working mother who advocated tirelessly for women's rights. She was brilliant, humble, and empathetic. She served as a trailblazer, a beacon, a true superhero, a role model for all girls, all women, all mothers, all people. Notorious RBG, you will be missed. Hello, podcast fam, and welcome to another episode of Motherhood in Black and White. I'm Kanji. I'm Tara. And we are so excited that you are joining us again this episode, where we are going to talk about the mental load of motherhood with a very special guest. But before we do, we have to revisit some of our conversation from last week. You had some homework. You gave me homework to do. You had one again. little tiny assignment. I think you like it a little too much when you give me things to do. I mean, I say I don't want to be a teacher, but I definitely like telling people what to do. Okay, so if you listened in last <laughs> week, family, we talked to the crunchy mommy, and yep. she was giving everyone some eco-friendly tips and a couple of things that we did in our house this past week as we eliminated a lot of plastic products. Nice. Yeah, so we switched to glasses and actually I ordered some copper cups off of Amazon.com. The note actually said that they are copper vessels. Yes, you were drinking out of a copper <laughs> I vessel. I, I bro- You broke them out of the box just for me. I did. I needed something for you to drink out <laughs> That's of. Right. That's right. I, I was just glad you didn't ask for any food because we are lacking. I'm I good. Have, I haven't I'm... gone to the grocery store yet. It's on my to-do list. But another thing that you and the Crunchy Mommy, Ironica Cole, asked me to do was watch the Netflix documentary, oh. Down to Earth with Zac Efron. Correct. Okay, just so, one episode. Just check it out. Yes, and that's what I did is I watched one episode. And Tara, Yes. I have lost all faith in you. What? It was horrible. What? I Which episode did you watch? Well, the one that was at the very top of the Netflix list. Oh, so I guess the first one. It was about Iceland. Yes. Yes. You didn't enjoy that? No. Where they made the bread and the I, ground? I watched it. And if you had just told me what they did, yeah. that's all I would have needed. I didn't have to waste. <laughs> I didn't have to waste 40 minutes of my day oh, with man. the bread and, and walking oh, well. on the continent and... But I tried because you gave me an assignment to do and I value your opinion. And so you recommended something and I was waiting for like Beyonce to come in or some some (laughs) backup dancers. (laughs) But it didn't make you want to like go to Iceland? No. Oh, it totally made me want to go to Iceland. It made me want to eat bread, but okay, from well, the refrigerator. All right. Well, that's something, I guess. Okay. Well, now we know. Now we know. We Kanji, know. not a fan of the Zac Efron show. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> now we know. And you don't have to watch anymore. So that's good. And I won't. But one of the things that it did do is it added something else to my to-do list. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome for that. <laughs> We realize as mothers that our to-do lists can be a little long, right? Never ends. Is that what you found? Yes. It feels like it never ends. I mean, just this week, I was sitting on the couch thinking, 
I didn't have anything to do right that moment, but there were like 10 things on my mind that I needed to write down to remember for tomorrow and the next week. And don't forget the glasses that need to get ordered for next month. And don't forget you have to make your doctor's appointment and the dog. And I mean, yeah, it's constant. Right. I tell my husband and son that I am I feel like I'm the cruise director yes. on a ship that's going nowhere, yes. which is an apt analogy for 2020. That's right. Because I'm the activities director. I'm in charge of maintaining everyone's calendar and yes. schedule. I'm the human <laughs> Google. That's right. That's right. Yes. And yeah. They're constantly, my, my husband will be in the kitchen going to do something and he's like, where is the thing? And I'm like, you know, we've both lived in this house for five years. So I'm confused how you don't know where the thing is. And, you know, and then with Gage, it's just constant reminding I was just thinking about it this week like do I do this to myself (laughs) I don't know but it does feel like I'm constantly carrying around like a bag of things that I'm supposed to remember and I blew my child's mind the other day when Roman came into the kitchen I said Roman you do know that your father also knows how to make snacks. <laughs> Did you know? He didn't. And he thought it was only me. So it's great to hear this. And I love talking to you because I realize I'm not alone in this boat. Right. And we wanted to bring in another voice to our conversation. I love this show. I love welcoming other moms into our conversation. So we realize we're not in this alone. And we continue to find out from other women that they also are. Hashtag doing, doing the best, the best we, we can. can. <laughs> so let's welcome Julia Dennison to the conversation. Tara, tell us a little bit about Julia before she joins us this evening. Sure. Uh, we're so excited. Julia Dennison is the executive editor of Parents.com, and she is actually co-host of a pretty new podcast called We Are Family. And that podcast specifically celebrates families of all shapes and sizes. She is a co-parenting single mom to her young daughter. And in her current role at Parents.com, she brings relevant and inclusive content to parents everywhere. Her commitment to reporting on the messiness of parenting and the diversity of families, it brings relatable and useful information that really opens up dialogue. I've been following her Instagram for a while. I've been reading her content for a few weeks since we were first introduced to each other. And I just love her honest and open reporting. So we're so excited to have Julia on tonight. Super excited to welcome Julia to the conversation. Hey, Julia, this is Kanji. Thanks so much, Kanji. So nice to be on here. Thanks for having me. It's very exciting. Thank you for making the time this evening. Now, you are joining us from Queens, New York, right? I am Queens represent. (laughs) I used to live in Kew Gardens, Queens, when I was a flight attendant up there. Oh, wow. Kew Gardens is so pretty. I'm in Sunnyside. So right by Astoria, Long Island City, if anyone's familiar. Also, yes. And our podcast producer is from Long Island. So yeah, it's nice to connect virtually with you. I love connecting with a fellow New Yorker. So thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, Tara is the one who introduced us to you. And she has been fangirling all over your social media the last yeah. few months. Sweet. Yeah, I'm sure you've been seeing all those likes. You're like, who is this person on IG that keeps hitting on my posts? I will take it. I love it. <laughs> we'll take every like. <laughs> we love likes. So we wanted to take some time today to talk with you about the mental load of motherhood. We wanted to talk to you because as the executive editor of parents.com, you have a unique expertise here, but we also want to get to know you a little bit about your journey in motherhood. So Mm -hmm. share with us about your story, your motherhood journey, your baby girl, your (laughs) sibling situation, whatever you have for us. We're excited to hear from you. 
Sure. So I am mom to Esme, who I call Ezzie. She's four years old. She's starting pre-K this week, virtually this week, and then hopefully in person next week. We'll see. As we know, it's just nutty. I co-parent with her dad, who lives about 10 blocks away, so not that far. Maybe it's like a 10-minute walk. We divorced or separated when she was one, so when she was pretty young, but we met in college and we're really good friends, so we get along really well. So I really try to kind of co-parent well, so to speak, where we, you know, we'll still go to the zoo together and we split the time between us 50-50 very equally, so... She's currently with her dad right now, which is why I'm able to be doing this podcast, because otherwise, I mean, talk about juggling and the mental load. I mean, I don't know how um, I'd be able to do half the things I'd be able to do if I was a full-time single mom. So mad respect to full-time single moms out there. But yeah, that's me. Do you find it easier to co-parent with Ezzie's father living just a few blocks away? Tell us a little bit about what that looks like. Oh, absolutely. You know, my dad his parents had a really messy divorce and my grandparents. And I'd always heard about that growing up. So it was really important. Obviously, nobody plans to get divorced. But when I knew that it was happening, I was really adamant that I have a good divorce and a good relationship for and do it as best as I could for Ezzie. Part of that is the living nearby. I think that's really important. I think just as much as you can see each other and do things together as a co-parenting family, even if you're not together romantically. I think that's important. And it's just meant that we can split the time with her really easily 50-50. So she's so young for us. That means it's a kind of complicated schedule. Anybody who's divorced or co-parents understands these strange, complicated schedules, but it's like two nights, two nights, three nights. And we're only really able to do that because he lives so nearby. And also she's able to be at a nursery school that's halfway between our two homes. So one of us can drop her off. The other one can pick her up. And, you know, we can also just meet for coffee and make things super easy. So, yeah, I mean, it's not to say that it's not it's, that it's all roses, but it's we're doing the best we can. And I think that's all anybody can do. <laughs> that's our favorite hashtag, Julia. Yes. We're doing the best we can. <laughs> that's right. Same with co-parenting. You try you try your best. You try your best. And obviously, you have those moments where you get frustrated with each other, just like anybody does. But, you know, I always say I think it's remarkable that as a society, we see the talent of being a parent and the talent of being a romantic partner and a talent of being, um, you know, all these things like a family unit. These are all things we're supposed to coordinate and then be able to do everything and all at once. And yeah. It's kind of, you know, co-parenting has made me realize like her, my daughter's dad is the best dad ever. You know, I'm not married to him, but doesn't mean that I can't sort of have a family with him and parent with him, you know. Yeah, right. And families look so different. And your podcast that you have with Shanti called We Are Family, it's something that you all explore a little bit. It's about how families don't necessarily just look like the two parent nuclear family, you right. know, with a white mother and a white father yeah. and a, a son boy and, and a girl daughter. Yes. And a dog and a picket fence. That's right. right. <laughs> so can you talk to us a little bit about your podcast and some of the um, stories that you have shared and maybe tell us one or two of your favorite stories or guests from your show. Sure, 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 sure. So yeah, I think the the real idea behind the podcast kind of came from the story I was just just telling. I felt a little bit guilty, not guilty, I guess that's the wrong word. I guess I just sort of felt left out when I looked on social media and I'd see these perfect families or what I perceived to be perfect because mm. I don't think I don't think there's ever such a thing as a perfect family. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I hope not because I'm not doing right? it. <laughs> right. So anyway, I was thinking, you know, I saw a stat that said that there were going to be more 
non-traditional families than traditional families, even as soon as 2020. And so then I thought, well, we need to be talking about those families more so that I feel less left out in my kind of strange co-parenting setup. And I also thought, you know, there's some positives about my family setup. And so I thought, I really want to tell the stories of all the unique and wonderful and diverse ways that people are families and parent together. So that was the idea behind the podcast. And when I was thinking about my co-host, I immediately thought of Shanti because he was a cover star on Parents a year or so ago mm-hmm. with his husband, and they had their twin boys through surrogacy. So it was like both of us brought really different family situations to the table that looked nothing like the, the families that you see in, you know, when you're scrolling Instagram necessarily. And so then the idea was to tell all the different stories. So, you know, multi-generational families, people who are single moms by choice, yeah. um, transgender parenting. So Ali Sheedy um, of The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. I was very – I fangirled. I was very excited yes. to have her and her transgender son on, um, Beckett. And he and her talked about just what it was like for him to come out as transgender and her being a parent and just navigating that. And what I loved about that one particular episode is just that Ali Sheedy recognized that as a parent, it wasn't Beckett's responsibility to tell her what to tell um, Ali Sheedy what to do about the fact that he was transgender. Right. She had to figure that out on her, on her own. And, you know, she recognized that that was her lesson to learn and not a burden she needed to put on Beckett. So that's a great episode. There's another there was a foster dad in Brooklyn. He's fostered 50 teens over the course of his time and he's just got the loveliest story gosh there's um Catherine wolf who had a a brain hemorrhage at 26 and this was an episode on on parenting through disability and Mm -hmm. she it was just so perfect but she's so hopeful and so positive and just kind of like the loveliest ray of sunshine really puts in perspective just all the different hardships that people go through as parents and these extraordinary situations that people are parenting through. So yeah, it's just a pleasure for me to be able to listen to all these wonderful stories and talk to these people and, and give them a chance to to tell their stories through our podcast. So yeah, I had a blast. Yeah, and you guys have done such a great job of using your platform to share the diversity that makes this country so great. Mm-hmm. My favorite episode was the episode that you and uh, Shanti did with Dasha Polanco. Yes. And I loved how you were talking about um, cuisine and how that kind of shaped your upbringing and your mm-hmm. multicultural upbringing uh, in Queens, New York, right? Are you from Queens originally? Um, well, I'm from the city originally. So I was born in, in Manhattan and then I lived in the Bronx and I grew up with having a Dominican babysitter and yes. just kind of exposed to the culture there. But I think just by the very nature of growing up in the city, you know, raising my daughter here in Queens is one of the things I'm most proud about is the, the fact that she's exposed to so many different cuisines and cultures and it's just the norm for her. Right. And Julia, that's one of the things that um, my husband and I miss the most about leaving New York. We left New York in 2013. Our son was mm-hmm. a, just a couple of years old. But my husband always says he can't find a good bagel down here in Texas and he can never <laughs> find food at two or three in the morning. He is a New Yorker and he's a musician. So he loves being up at night and he hates that everything here closes at at 11 yeah. o'clock. But he misses all of the food and the culture. And that's what we wish we could continue to expose Roman to down here mm-hmm. in Texas. And yeah. since we can't, you know, Tara and I were like, let's put on a podcast. Let's do so it we can bring it to him. Let's create 
create the culture. That's right. right. So we're going to talk about yeah. it all ourselves. Uh, yes. And so what do you think is, Ezzy, what's the best part of living in New York for Ezzy? And we know that 2020 has been so challenging for oh. um, for you guys and yeah. for New Yorkers. And my heart breaks for, for you and all of my friends and family up there. Oh. But share with us how it's been and kind of how you've been navigating all of this with a little one. Oh, sure. So um, growing up in New York, I feel like I love the city so much. This is this is my hometown. I actually left New York for 10 years in my 20s and early 30s to live in London. So then I came back. So I feel like it's like me rediscovering my city. Um, and so it's felt like New York's like a part of the family. It really is just something that I've just... It's, it's all I knew growing up. You know, I eventually did move to the suburbs of New York, but for a lot of my childhood, you know, Central Park was my backyard. So I didn't have this urge. So a lot of my mom friends during the pandemic were considering leaving. Some of them did leave the city. I've just been very adamant about staying put. Like, I just think there's so <laughs> many wonderful things about bringing my daughter up in the city. They're, just the very fact that the Met, you know, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, my parents who don't live very far away would take her every Friday and run around and just, you know, the fact that we had all this culture on our doorstep and all these different cuisines and all this, you know, growing up in Queens, it's just all these different cultures. Um, and the fact that you're just never bored being in, in the city. Um, I really think for me, it's the best possible environment to bring up my daughter. And I'm so proud that she was born in the same hospital on the Upper West oh, Side wow. that I was born in. Oh, look at the yeah. tradition. That's cool. <laughs> she will never be able to leave New York. Uh, you know, yeah, I know. Guaranteed it. Yeah. So um, I've been very adamantly happy to be staying put. And, you know, a lot of my friends see the dream of the suburbs. And I'd done both. So I'd, um, you know, I'd grown up in the suburbs as a teenager too and I was like all right well you can go to the suburbs I mean your kids are gonna just be on the running for the last train at Grand Central <laughs> like every other kid like, going right back yeah, into that yeah. city because there's just that kind of allure of New York City that you can you know you can't really replicate anywhere else so yeah I love the city I'm happy to be here it has been very strange but you know what we're New York tough we've been through really tough times before you know yeah. just the anniversary of September 11th brought it all back it was just it's just a city that's been through so much and and I love my neighborhood here in Queens and just, you know, we're all kind of in this together. And it's felt very, you know, very. I, it would get very emotional when everybody at 7 p.m. would ring the bells for the essential workers and, and shout out their 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 friends who were putting their lives on the line during this pandemic. And, um, you know, New York can be a really big city, but it can also feel like it can also really feel like a tight knit community in a lot of ways, too. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, New York, She's New York strong. New York strong. New York. We should, I know. So we have, we have to swing by Atlanta, pick up Veronica That's right. on our little communal farm. That's right. Take a girl's trip to Miami, That's right. and then we're heading up to New York to live with Julie and run Try through Central Park. Dominic, yeah. Dominican yeah. food you guys were talking um, about. There you go. Yeah. So, so Julie, we want to circle back a little bit before mm -hmm. we before we started chatting with you. Tara and I were talking a little bit about um, an article that's being featured a lot in your magazine, and also the discussion has been resonating in a lot of mommy groups. It's mm -hmm. called the mental load of motherhood, right? Yeah. And I, I told Tara, it's like, we talk about, you know, you hit the mother load was, you know, I'm from California and the 49ers said, you know, hitting the mother load was finding a lot of, gold in the ground. But the mother load, L-O-D-E, it's different now. When yeah. we talk about the mother load, it's a different kind of weight and it doesn't feel like gold. Yeah. <laughs> it, no, it does not. No, it's like, can we just put this back in the ground? So talk yeah. to us a little bit about the mental load of motherhood and what you guys at, at parents.com and, and um, uh, some of the mother uh, motherhood journals and magazines talk about. 
Sure. So I, this is one of my favorite topics of conversation. I think it really drove it home for me when I did get divorced and I started co-parenting because in a funny way, that allowed me to even the playing field, not entirely, but a little bit more than I I had been when I'd been married or that I saw with my friends. So, you know, as a co-parenting mom, I get Ezzy 50% of the time. So when I don't have Ezzy on a weekend, I kick back, I relax, I chill. I'm an adult woman. And I remember I would say to friends of mine, let's do this on Sunday or like, let's go to the spa on Saturday. And then I'd have mom friends who'd be like, uh, I, I don't know. I took a Saturday off like eight weeks ago. And I'm like, girl, yeah, <laughs> um, I am divorced and a co-parent. Why can't you just step away? You've got a dad at home. You can, you're de- you know, or I'd be out with the girlfriends and they'd be rushing back to put their kids to bed. And I'm like, why can't the dad put their kid to bed? And I think it yeah. just started to really hit home with me because I was like, look, you know, do I have to teach you guys how to co-parent in your married relationship? Yes. Yes, 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 please. Answer your question. Can you do yes. that, Julia? I need some help. <laughs> like, if yes. I can do it just because it's mandated by the courts in my custody agreement, like, do you guys need your own custody agreement? Like, hello? It um, seems like, yes. I think that even in um, a married situation, a lot of times the women, the mothers still carry a lot of the load, you know, yes, um, and absolutely. even if and, and Tara and I were saying that there are times when I'm in the house and I'll be working because I'm still working from home and my kid will want something. And I was like, well, you know that daddy is also here. Yeah, it's not just he's me. not just me. Yeah, but but it's hard yeah, to divvy it up. Real. And I guess maybe we need a court order. But what I mean, talk to us about <laughs> and it which is easy. Cause I'm an attorney. Oh, so sorry. I'm going to draft it. I need an agreement. Very... It's not a divorce agreement. <laughs> it's a splitting up of the you duties, know? please. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so we talk um, and one of the articles that your magazine has. It talks about some of the things that a woman or a mother thinks about during the day. So how have you found and, and some of the. Um, women that you've talked to and some of the articles, the contributors, what have they found has been the biggest challenge that mothers have with yeah. carrying the mother load? Right. So we pulled out some stats. So we did Project Mental Unload on Parents.com recently, and we released it for Labor Day to highlight the unpaid labor that us moms do. I love that. (laughs) Yes. And so we pulled out some stats. So working moms are three times more likely to manage their kids' schedules and household responsibilities than working dads. And they're less happy and they're more stressed. And this is this is hard facts. This is some studies that people have been doing. And they're also still expected to be the nurturers in their family. It's like these societal norms that they're just supposed to, we're all supposed to be doing everything all the time. And then it leads to this like severe burnout. And I think, especially going into this new school year when it's just been so hard during the pandemic and we've been doing it all. And then we're going into the school year and now we're going to be asked to be doing remote learning all over again. I think, I think it's a moment where moms are really reaching breaking point. And it's hard because a lot of the a lot of what we found is that even good dads who are like, well, let's do this, like let's parent together, let's be equal. Even in situations like that, mm. the, the moms are still carrying the load. And I don't even know if it's like if they're even like conscious of it. You know, I think sometimes it's just so ingrained in what we do. I mean, even starting from a younger age, I think they say that like that you got to watch what you're giving little the chores you're giving little girls versus little boys. Like you know, it starts right. young, right? Um, right. But in terms of parenthood, I think it really starts with parental leave. You know, mm-hmm. I think if dads aren't feeling the pressure not to take their their paternity leave or they're not taking the same amount of time as the moms, then they're stepping in after the moms have taken this this longer maternity leave. And all of a sudden, the moms are the experts and the dads are asking them what to do. You know, And that's where I think right. 
that's where I think that we get off on the wrong foot, potentially. It's hard. I mean, another example, even in my co-parenting situation, Esme School has been calling me nonstop in the middle of meetings all the time with all Mm -hmm. these questions about forms. And ironically, her dad submitted the whole dang application. So I said to them, (laughs) why are you calling me? I should be like an additional contact if you can't reach him first. Yeah. (laughs) Like, why is it? Why is this conversation happening? And, you know, her teacher was so sweet. She's like, oh, my God, I'm so, so sorry. And I'm like, mental load. Yeah. Like, like other people don't realize that they're doing it. There's another there's another mom blogger that I follow and she calls it the default parent. Like, why Mm -hmm. are the moms the default parent? Like, why can't Mm -hmm. it be spread out? Because and that's not internal. That's external. Like you're saying, I mean, Mm -hmm. that is the school calls me first. Uh, his yeah. friends' moms call me. They're not looking for uh, dad's number. They're not trying to set that stuff up, you know? Right. right. And Julia, you shared with us that you're able to be here because Ezzie is with her father. Mm-hmm. So how does it look when she's home and you are working full time? You know, so here's the thing as a co-parenting mom. It's like 100% when I have Ezzie. And throughout the pandemic, I've been working from home full time and having when I have Ezzy, it's full time and it's insane. And I can't I mean, I could not have done my whole podcast if I was a full time single mom or maybe I could have done it after bedtime. I don't know, but it would have been much, much harder. And I go back and forth because talking about the mental load with my married friends, I think why don't you guys during the pandemic? I was they were sort of like trying to figure out how the how they they just felt like they were constantly the one that their kid was coming to, and I was like, maybe you could tag team, like maybe you could literally just have a hundred percent all the time, and then like not off complete hundred percent off mom duty another time because I I mean I don't know what's best, but I would almost rather have the like hundred percent on and just go insane, and then and then I get like. My, t- my time like, on your yes. full break right yeah. but you get the, you get the full break because she's not there yeah. <laughs> and even right. i think with some moms right. if you think you're going to be off just mm-hmm. knowing that the kid is in the house or your mm-hmm. children are in the house that your ears and eyes are always going to be kind yeah. of peeled and open like what yep. are they doing I, I hear sounds coming from my kitchen that should not be coming from the kitchen <laughs> <laughs> or i don't yes. hear any it's sounds like, why don't like, i hear any sounds? Like, mom relax <laughs> exactly no sounds is the worst part of it yes oh, so so i know that it's it's challenging being a working mom and a lot of people say that Working mothers are expected to work their jobs like they don't have kids Mm -hmm. and then parent like they don't Don't have have jobs. jobs. Yeah. Um, You know, and I love that your parents.com is shining a light on this. And as executive editor of parents.com, can you share with us a little bit about your journey and how long you've been writing and, and some of the things and resources that you guys use when you're getting articles together for families that look like all families in this country? Yeah. So yeah, I've been kind of on the parenting beat for the last, let's see. So I've been in my job now for about more or less for the last five years. Before that, I was working at Fit Pregnancy Magazine um, and Natural Health Magazine. And I, I only got the job at Fit Pregnancy Magazine because it was also had the natural health part. So I was sort of a health journalist before. Um, and I always joke because I was working in the pregnancy and parenting space before I was even a parent. <laughs> and I said to myself, it's either going to make me really want to have a kid or really not want to have a kid. <laughs> I guess eventually it made me want to have a kid because um, it's just like too much information. Although I remember when I was pregnant, my OBGYN was like, you have no questions. And I was like, that's because I work on fit pregnancy and I answer questions like, you know, we're writing content to answer people's Google questions all the time. So, um, yeah, no, I'm good. I've done this research. I'm good. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Well, you know, I think in terms of who we go to for resources, obviously, we're always going to the the tippy top of the experts, you know, we want the American Academy of Pediatric level of trustworthy sources for everything we do, because we're such a longstanding brand in the parenting space and people come to us most for the trustworthy content. But I also want to make sure that our trustworthy content comes through in a relatable way. So, um, you know, it's really important to me that we represent both a diversity of sources as well as a diversity of writers and a diversity of editors as well as a diversity of stories too. I think sometimes it's a blessing and a crutch that I am a mom myself because it's really easy for me to kind of write content or commission content because I'm living it. Mm-hmm. But but that can be a trap too because I don't I'm a white woman, you know, and I have my very specific situation that I've lived. And it's really important for me not to just sort of think, well, whatever experience I've had as a mom is what everybody's had. And I think for certainly just recently with the Black Lives Matter and trying to make sure that we have, we've been really making a huge effort to to make sure that we have representation in our editors and our sources and our writers. So we've been commissioning a whole lot more Black, Indigenous writers of color. Um, and it's been just a super big priority for, for me and the whole team, obviously. But um, I think it's just a, sort of a wake-up call to myself that I – and also talking about the mental load, we wanted to make sure when we told the story of the mental load that we were telling it in a diverse way as possible because the idea of one mental lo- one white woman's mental load is going to look very different from a Black woman's mental load. It's going to look very different from a transgender dad's mental load, you know, so um, I'm just constantly thinking about trying to make sure that we represent and make people feel included. I think it's about feeling, you know, as a brand, I want to make it feel like when you read our content, you say, yes, okay, I'm validated. My story's being told. And part of that is just making sure we're telling as many uh, diverse of stories as we possibly can. So Julia, your ability to kind of see the world through a lens of racial equity and the way that you're trying to raise Esme, do you think, do you attribute that to growing up in New York or, or what is it that allows you to have this lens of empathy? That's a really good question. I think, yes, I think growing up in New York, it just was never, it was just, you know, growing up in, in the Bronx, I sometimes would even feel like I was in the minority as a white girl, certainly in certain schools I was in. And it was just, I think it sort of took me going into the larger world. I also grew up in a very Jewish neighborhood in, in Riverdale, and I wasn't Jewish. And I remember at some point in my life when I was a teenager kind of realizing, oh, I thought that I, I thought I thought the whole world was Jewish and this, you know, like <laughs> I just didn't realize it was just my context. And I think like um I think that's part of the reason why I'm very happy to be bringing Ezzy up in such a big melting pot because it's normalizing that that diversity of culture and that diversity of or what even normal is, you know. Right. Um and I don't know. I also I went to Vassar. I feel like um at Vassar <laughs> it was like always thinking about, you know, we were always saying things like gender as a social construct, you know, and just like <laughs> questioning and breaking down everything. And I kind of come into my job and with a little bit of that kind of like radical um, <laughs> force. I love I it. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm in this I'm in this business of journalism to make a difference. I didn't right. come in here for the money or you know, like, yeah. all the things. It's so, so for me, it's important to just try and make as big of a difference and, as I possibly can. And language and and content, you know, for example, we decided to capitalize the be in black um, parents dot com long time ago. Well, not long enough ago, probably, but like months and months ago. And, you know, that's just a small thing that we can do to to just be more inclusive with with our content. And I think it makes a big difference. 
Yeah, small things lead to big changes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, I think, comes down to intentionality. And what you're talking about, Julie, is being intentional in the people that you choose to, um, the stories you choose to tell, Mm -hmm. the the contributors that you're using, um, the articles, and just looking at everyone and, and celebrating all forms of diversity, which is what is amazing that you have given this voice to some folks that otherwise would not have one. And for that, as a black woman, I just want to say thank you. <laughs> and that's why you're joining me on our trip to Miami. <laughs> that's why oh, you're invited. You're, you're, you're part you're of the crew. So, you're so sweet. Are you kidding? It's the least I can do. And I feel that too. You know, as a white yeah. as a white person, I'm very much aware of the fact that I'm in the position that I am in because we live in a society that's built on systemic racism. And I and I own that and I talk about it and I keep trying to remind myself and and my team about that every day. And I think, you know, I I definitely don't want to take it for granted the fact that I am where I am, you know, and I am. So we have a nonprofit organization that Tara and I are members of the leadership team. And one of the things that we do is we do workshops. And one of the workshops we sponsored uh, this week was about how to talk to kids about race and racism. And it's uh, a workshop that we have found has always been well attended because a lot of white parents and white mothers struggle with this issue. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to know how Parents.com has brought this up and how you guys have addressed it. And if you could offer any tips or tools for parents who may be struggling Um, with how to talk to kids about race, racism, and current events from different perspectives. Yeah, no, I think we've been on this and it's been an important topic to me. We've done a lot of content on raising anti-racist kids. I always talk about the fact that as a white person, it's a privilege to even bring up the conversation of race because, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't even imagine, you know, and I think for, for, for black kids and for kids of color and indigenous kids, it's something that comes up way earlier just by the very fact of the way that they were born in the color of their skin. And so I always say when you're wondering when to talk to your kid about race, that's privilege right there. Right, um, right. If you have the option. If you have the option. Absolutely. That's privilege. We always say there, there is no too young to start the conversation in one way or, or another. I actually think that CNN and Sesame Street had that that town hall on talking about race that was just so lovely. I don't know if you guys watched that, but they were really good about about putting it into the, just like the simplest, nicest terms. And I think one of the topics they talked a lot about and which we've talked about is just the idea that like kids do see differences, mm. but they don't see them as a bad or good thing they just see different you know and um and so like in the past we might have been like let's not talk about color let's not talk about race like let's shut that down but now i think that the 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 mood is much more having those conversations with kids and talking about it and saying okay yes like you know your friend um might be treated differently because of the color of her skin and, and and kids have a ton of um empathy and they have a ton of like for kids fairness is so important and they're going to be so tuned into that conversation when you talk about something being unfair. You know, think about how much kids talk about things being fair and unfair. So yeah. like, <laughs> you know, like, that's not fair. Yeah. So I think it's actually like a great, I mean, I think they're primed to have some of these conversations um, if you do them in the right way. So yeah, very important. Oh, super important. Yeah, Everything you're saying, tips. the work you're doing is so important. And we thank you for taking time out of your 
night off. Yeah, your your night off to come talk to us about uh, the mental load you're leaving behind for the night. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go back to watching Selling Sunset. (laughs) That's a good one. That's another show I'm probably going to have to put on my list. So I'm going to share with you, uh, Julia, Tara made me watch Down to Earth with Zac Efron. That's what she recommended. And I thought it was terrible. So (laughs) you know what, though? I was tempted. I'm tempted. I'm still tempted. So. But will you? So I mean, can you watch one episode, Julia? So just try one episode. <laughs> okay, thirty you, minutes. You have been cut off. I'm now going to my new friend, Julia. Julia, I need you to recommend a show for me to watch. Um, what do you say? So you say Selling Sunset? Is that? Oh something? no. Don't make that my recommendation. No. <laughs> I mean, like, yes, that's what I'm going to go watch. But I'm like, that does not. That does not sound very smart at all. You know, actually, one show I've been really enjoying, and this is kind of lowbrow, highbrow, is um, The Great, which is on Hulu. And yeah, yeah I keep about seeing that. Catherine the Great, and it's so, like, it's so body and so raunchy. Um, but what I really love about the, the way it's been cast is they cast it in a really diverse way, and it's just, you know, it's and it's just done really really well and it's very funny julia you don't have to be highbrow you can go ahead with your trash (laughs) selling sunset and real housewives of orange county (laughs) go ahead it's fine this is this is your space this is about authenticity (laughs) and your true self there's no judgment in this place i have to say i was fangirling also because we had candy burris of real housewives of atlanta on the podcast yeah she's talking about her um surrogacy and, and her ivf and everything um and she's just and i remember this moment the, when we interviewed her and there's a through the zoom call we didn't actually have any video it was just all audio but she i got a glimpse into her bedroom and oh my goodness the glam was through the roof oh, and she was done up man. to a teen she looked beautiful oh. and yeah that was a real treat i love real housewives <laughs> candy <laughs> burst is fabulous oh yes so yeah. we can we can definitely be real that's yeah. definitely what we're here for but our podcast <laughs> producer is telling us we're going to have to wrap it up okay. we're going to wrap it up with just a few things you mentioned earlier ali sheedy who is mm-hmm. one of my favorite brat packers what is your favorite ali sheedy movie Oh, God. Probably The Breakfast Club. I feel like I'm going to be traditional. The here. OG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The OG. That makes sense. Yeah. What about yours, Tara? What's your favorite Ally Sheedy movie? Um, you know what? I'm going to be real honest. I, I know which one I'm trying to think of, but I can't think of the name of it. I'm going to have to go look it up later. I'm, I've forgotten the name of the movie. It's not The Breakfast Club, no. though. Mine is St. Elmo's Fire. So I went Ooh, to yeah. Georgetown. And this is a fun fact. St. Elmo's Fire was filmed and set at Georgetown University. So it we was? had, yeah, we had a, a bar that was um, where they did the, they filmed the show. And it was a bar that was right there um, across from uh, Wise Miller's, I think was the name of the restaurant. Did you go up there trying to see if you could no, because I would no, because my mother is going to be listening to this show, and she does not need to hear about me going to a bar when I was in college because I did not turn twenty one until after I graduated. Of so no, Ooh, there were no drinking, okay. drinking right. before that. Clearly, <laughs> mom, turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> she, she won't listen this far. She'd be like, they haven't talked about me. I'm definitely turning I'm out. it off. Yes. So so so. With that being said, we're going to ask you one more question, Julia. Mm-hmm. Tara and I like to talk about what our our words of the week is something that kind of inspires us going forward. We um, took it from people saying what their word of the year is, but in 2020, we, we can't have a word for it. Yeah, it changes so we got, every, every week. It yeah, changes. so we're going to break it down. Can you just share with us and our podcast family what your word for the week going forward is going to be and tell us a little bit about why? Um, hmm. I think so it's just this sort of like a, a motto or like a mantra kind of situation. Yeah, just a word like courage. Hmm. Okay, I think I'm going to go with acceptance. Acceptance. 
Um, I think like what's been most challenging for me through this throughout the pandemic and now especially going into this new school year. So right this minute today, our mayor pushed the the school date back a, a bit. And for me, luckily with pre-K, our start date didn't get pushed. So it's okay. But it's it's definitely a time of acceptance, accepting the fact that we can't control everything as much as type A people like me want to be controlling everything. So hard. Um, and just kind of like, you can get really upset and stressed and worried. But uh, this if this pandemic has taught us anything, it's that the lack of control that we all truly have. <laughs> it's Just true. Trying to be mindful about it, I think. That's true. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to bring it back. I remembered the name of the movie. It was uh, Made to Order, where she's the rich girl yes. and she be, she like loses her fairy godmother, takes her power away, and she becomes the maid. Yes. I watched that movie. So, do you remember back when HBO played the same movie every, like every other movie? (laughs) Yes. That was also the time when TVs used to turn off. I remember when the TVs used to go off. I do remember. And like just the the beep at the end of the night. You'd have the Star Spangled Banner (laughs) play and then the TV would go off. But yeah, Made to Order was one of those movies that I watched a lot. I can't believe I couldn't remember the name of it. I could see it in my mind. I just could not remember the name of it, but I remember it now. (laughs) I don't know if I've seen that. Oh, you got to check that one out. It's so good. (laughs) But also, listen. That's a terror recommendation. Hey, Sheedy. Be mindful, and you have been warned about Tara recommendations. You know, anyway, yeah. I'm going to go watch myself some Zach, okay? So <laughs> report back. That's right. You let me know, Julia, if it's as bad as Kaji says. Um, okay, so before we end, when is uh, your podcast, We Are Family, coming back for season two? Yeah. Well, that is to be determined, okay. but we just, we just wrapped season one and then we're going to figure out when we can do season two, but I would love to do season two. So I'm going to kind of put that out into the universe and hope that it's, uh, it's manifested. <laughs> well, and I can vouch for it for our podcast family because season one was fantastic. Aww. So we'll, we'll make sure we keep pointing people toward it. Those, those Thank episodes you. were so powerful. And all Aww. of the episodes are still available on all platforms. So please listen in. And Julia, we can't wait to have you back. Maybe the next time we have you back, we will talk about your experience as the mom of a school-age kid and let us know how Ezzy's doing at pre-K. I will. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be nutty. But yes, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to have her go out of the house into school. As much as I love her, I need to be able to. Mama needs to work. We all hear that. We understand. We are, we are hearing we, that. We, we know that. <laughs> so lighten your load a little bit. Thank you for lightening our hearts and lightening our lives. Thank and you for so spending much. time. It's so incredible sharing space with you, even virtually. And oh, oh last question. Mets or Yankees? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm a Queens girl, so I got to say Mets, don't I? Oh, there you go. <laughs> Kanji's making a face, Julia. You, you should know, know. I, I Kanji is making a face. I'll tell you a secret. Growing up in New York, I go back and forth. I would go to Mets games because those were the more affordable games as a kid growing up. They're but, still more affordable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Yankees always are kind of like the superstars. So, I mean, I do love myself a Yankee game, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. You're back on the list. You're it's back okay. on the list. Yes. <laughs> Okay, okay. We'll go to Yankee Stadium when we come up there and probably see you next spring. Spring 2021 is going to be lit. We're making a trip everywhere. Uh, everywhere. I can't wait to go to a baseball game. And oh I can't gosh. wait to meet you and hug you. Thank you for yes. sharing space and Hugs. sharing everything with yes. us. We appreciate oh, you, new friend. Nice. Thank oh, you so much, Julia. You. you go finish those shows and get you some downtime. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Take good okay. care. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. 
Julia was great. She was great. I love the fact that we were able to reach out to her and she was so receptive about appearing on the podcast. Yeah. I think that what resonates with her is the message we're trying to share. And it was obvious from our conversation with her that this is something that's near and dear to her heart is just sharing um, messages about the diversity of families Mm -hmm. and how Every family looks different, yeah. but we are all family. The name of our podcast, We Are Family. I was sitting up here singing Sister Sledge in my head the entire time we were interviewing her. <laughs> yeah, every time I every time I see her podcast pop up on my library for the new episode, I'm like, oh, we are family. Yeah. I love it. But before we talked to her, you know, I had really looked into the project we referenced that Parents.com has put together, which is, you know, the mental workload of mothers. And what I loved about it, even before talking to her, is that even in that project, they've they've really culled a lot of different articles and perspectives for that one topic. And and I remember when I looked at it, I'm like, this is really impressive reporting. Like, right. This is really impressive project they put together. And, um, and it's the same on her IG. You know, I follow her on social. She's at Julia Dennison. And, um, and it just proves like, you know, when you see work someone's doing, and then you see them personally, and you can tell it's the same. Yeah, she's just so authentic. Correct. And the fact that the parents.com right now is featuring articles and stories about the mental load of motherhood, it's so timely. Because what we've learned in 2020 with women being disproportionately affected and impacted by COVID, especially working women, working women have had to make some really difficult, challenging choices. Do I keep working? Um, Do I go back to work? You know, the choice. What if I I can't? What if I can't? Yes. Yes. And you have a lot of women who are essential workers. Yes. um, Teachers nurses, bus drivers, and we had them having to make difficult decisions every single day. So when I look at people, when I look at moms, mm. I extend grace to every mother every I see. Every single one. Every single <laughs> one. Always. And yeah. I just, and and we always look at each other. I hope that we get to a point where we can look at each other just from that lens of empathy and understanding yeah. and just putting our feet in their shoes to yeah. try to walk and see what it is they're going through without judgment. Totally. Absolutely. I am a no judgment in the mom zone department. It's been a long time. I'm just like, whatever you got to do to get through it, just do it. Let's go for it. (laughs) I would love to say that that's who I am, but it's not who I am. I'm judging your terrible choice in Netflix recommendations. Because listen, my husband will tell you, I have not turned on the TV in three months. And so for me to turn on the TV and put on disappointing trash it was awful so now i'm like i'm not listening well, to anything you can you judge say. my tv choices just don't judge my parenting choices oh, you know what i'm saying Never. i judge tv choices don't get me wrong i didn't say no judgment i said no parenting, <laughs> no parenting judgment. judgment let me no. amend it <laughs> i will never judge any of the parenting decisions you make so we have a couple of parenting decisions to make now as we wrap up and things we're going to do next week going forward yeah. uh so let's talk a little bit about what this next week is going to look like for you julia shared that her word for the week is going to be acceptance. Tara, what about you? What's your word for the week going to be? I am still a little stunned. I mean, you know, acceptance is a good one. I think, I think for me, there's been this thing coming up the last couple of days for me that I've been writing about and considering in my, in my, um, reflections each day. And so I think what I'm going to be doing and my word will be, um, can I pick a phrase instead? Sure. Okay. So I think my phrase is going to be, is that true? So I've been doing, I've been having some trouble and struggling with kind of the stories I tell myself. And often those stories are not true. You know, there's stories that 
say I'm not good enough, I'm not doing it right, things aren't right, people don't like, you know, just silly stories like that. And it's been kind of bad lately. I think it might just be because I'm stretched thin mentally myself. So I'm a little bit more susceptible to those old those old ideas. But um, so one of the things that I've been writing about lately is kind of what those ideas are. And then I've, I learned this trick in um, therapy to say, uh, who said that? Where is that evidence? Is that true? And so what I've been doing for the last couple of days is just kind of like writing down what that thing is that I think is true and then actually examining if it is or not. And it's never true. So <laughs> for next week, I'm going to take that into like the current situation. I'm not going to do it after the fact. I'm going to try to do it in the middle of it when I'm having those thoughts and be like, is that true? Right. So yeah. I think that's what I'm going to do next week. What about you? My word going forward for this week is going to be embrace. Mm. Yes. So the timely. Name of our, it's timely. The name of our nonprofit organization is Embrace Action. And anyone who knows me knows that I am not a hugger. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. Of all of the love languages, physical touch is the one that is, is just <laughs> number five for me. Okay, five out of five. Spoiler oh. alert, you have given me a hug twice when I was in very bad spots. And so I feel very loved by Kanji. Yes. <laughs> Don't tell that to Mr. Podcast Producer, who has never received a hug from me, and he'll be like, I want a hug, too. It was a very special situation. But I'm going to talk about the word embrace in a global sense. I just want to be more embracing of things that I do and experiences that I'm undertaking this week going forward. I tend to um, shy and pull myself away Mm -hmm. from things and situations. So this week, I'm going to embrace new journeys and new experiences and new people and looking forward to it. And... I have a very special visitor that is coming in the next week and a half. I referenced her earlier in the podcast, but family, guess what? My mama is coming to town. <gasps> oh, yeah. So, I don't think I knew that. I don't know if you did. I don't think so I she's did. coming to for a visit and she may even be a special guest on one of her episodes. Oh, we'll see. Please stay please. tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> so with that being said, ma'am, we're gonna wrap up this episode of Motherhood in Black and White. As always, thank you for being a part of the conversation. Thank you for tuning in and just sharing time and space with us. If we didn't say it already, know that we appreciate you. We're so, so thankful for you. We are. We are. You guys are are just holding us up and and we love all the feedback. And as usual, make sure that if you're listening to us on Apple or Google that you subscribe. And if you're listening to us on Spotify, you can follow there. Now, the great news this week is we're officially on Amazon Podcasts. You can find us on a whole new platform. Uh, We're we're spreading it out. So um, please continue to leave us those reviews and that feedback. We love reading them and we read every single one of them. And who knows, maybe in the future, we'll have like a uh, uh, Q&A from the fans or follow up on some of those review questions there. So make sure you're talking to us. We thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Take good care.